next, we have a conversation with Suma CEO Beatriz Acevedo on how they are helping our community build wealth. Don't miss it. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Cubo, how is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. Our Financial Literacy Month series, A Lo Latino, continues with a guest whom, if you attended our Financially Strong Latina event, you will recognize. Let me tell you a little bit about Beatriz Acevedo. She is one of the leading inspirational voices and Latina entrepreneurs in the United States. She has dedicated her career to empowering and opening doors for the next generation of Latino leaders. Beatriz is a passionate and sought-after speaker who enjoys discussions around diversity as well as business, female leadership, and the economic impact of Latinos in America. Her latest startup, Suma Wealth, was founded with the vision of closing the Latinx wealth gap by providing financial education via in-culture content, fintech tools, and digital experiences, all in a highly engaging wealth building digital platform. In today's episode, you will hear why creating a trusting relationship is vital for Beatriz, as well as what exactly Suma is and the behind the scenes of how Suma came to be. And she's going to share her take on what the Latino community should focus on today financially, as well as a powerful piece of advice for Latinas to build a successful career. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Beatriz. I am just so thrilled to have you here. I have followed you for a while, and I am in awe of everything that you do. And to have you here to chat and get to know you better, I'm just really happy. Oh, no. Thank you for having me, Jen. You know that the feeling is mutual. I am also total fangirl of everything that you do and so grateful that you've been such an incredible ally and mentor to us at Suma. So excited to be here today. Let's start back with going back in time. So if you could take us back to maybe when you were a little girl or you were a teenager, somewhere where you had maybe an experience, you observed something, you heard something, maybe there was a lesson, just maybe some money memory that you can share with us that really has had an impact that till today you remember it. And there's something in there that completely impacts you, not necessarily on a daily basis, but has influenced who you are today. Yes, for sure. I mean, there's two things. One was ongoing. And then there was one moment that I remembered very vividly. And many times when people say, why did you start SUMA? Or, you know, what was it about financial literacy and that you're so passionate about, which really I discovered in my 
older age, thanks to my co-founder. But I'll go back to a moment that was pretty, I guess, traumatic in a way. And I think a lot of our family members who come from other countries, I'm an immigrant, have had sadly this experience. And it was at a time when Mexico had a really massive devaluation. And I don't know, I think we it was like six pesos to a dollar at some point, and it became like 6,000 pesos to a dollar overnight. And we lived at the border between Mexico and the US. And when you live in the border, even though it's still Mexico, you still need to pay your rent and your food and a lot of the services in US dollars. So my parents had their bank accounts in US dollars. So although they were in Mexico, there was an option where people could decide if you wanted your bank account in pesos or in dollars. Obviously, people at the border always chose the option of having it in dollars, since that's how you had to pay for things. So I remember that there was no Twitter. So the announcement came, there's no social media, the announcement came via the television, where the Mexican president say, listen, there's been a devaluation. And now it's not $6 to a peso. Now it's $6,000 or something very massive like that. And I remember my mom telling my dad, oh, thank God our bank accounts are in US dollars. And it was almost like the Mexican president heard my mom saying this, because immediately he's like, oh, and there's no more US dollar bank accounts. And it was like, what? Like this in an instant. And I know that's the experience of a lot of people from countries like Venezuela. This, this is Mexico, but Venezuela or Argentina, where they're like, one day they couldn't pull out the money out of their bank accounts or they would go to the ATM and there's no more to pull out of. And that's a lot of trauma that comes from our countries of origin and in our communities. I think that's why we, in everything that we do in my current company in Suma, it's so important that we always say you, we got to build that trust with the community first before you're pushing any product, any service, any anything. This is not any product. This is not any service. This is finance where we are incredibly mm-hmm. untrustworthy of financial institutions, of new fintech company, and as good as they could be. And as much as I explained to my mom, mom, but no, listen, your money's insured up to this point, And this is different. Like this is not Mexico. There's still a, a lot of post-traumatic trauma that we have, whether it happened to you or your parents or your grandparents, those stories are still within you. So I think that was one that I remember now so vividly that when I talk to non-Latinos about why at Suma it's been critical that we build trust before we build a product, I always use that story, right? Because that's a very personal story to me. An ongoing money story that continues to haunt me to this day, well, there's two, one from my mom, one from my dad. My dad came from nothing, very much the Latino story. And he became an incredible attorney, an incredible philanthropist, historian, etc. But somehow he always felt very guilty to have done well, to have money. So every cent he made would burn his hands. He thought it was the dirtiest thing in the world. He made it with a lot of effort. So he started a family foundation 30 years ago, and he put every single cent that he made into this foundation. And to the day he passed away four years ago, he left absolutely everything to the foundation. And I think it was a way for him to get rid of the money guilt. Somehow somebody sold to him that el dinero es el diablo, or he would really be triggered by people who had a lot of money. He would just like despise people who had, he would be like, ese nuevo rico, like, ugh, like it's disgusting that you have so much money. It wasn't bad if you gave it all to charity. So he found a way to make peace with the money. But You grow up hearing this and that is something that you're like, okay, so I guess making money or being well, unless you are incredibly charitable. So I think also for me, 
I also get rid of my guilt, not so much of making money because I have not made the money my father was able to do and leave behind to his foundation. But for me, it's about the privilege of having the opportunities. That's my guilt factor instead of the money. Why am I the one who gets funded? Why am I the one who is on a cover of a magazine? Why am I on this prominent board? Why am I invited to a spot? Like all these opportunities that are not given to 99% of the Latinas that I'm given to, I feel incredibly guilty for having that privilege. And I think that I tend to overcompensate with trying to, okay, well, I'm going to open as many doors as I can. I'm going to help as many people as I can get funded or get on a board or be my plus one at a very high profile event. Or I always feel this anxiety that I think relates to my money learnings growing up of having any sort of wealth, whether it's social capital or capital capital is something that's not positive for some strange reason. And I'm just starting to internalize that, you know, of like, why am I so anxious about, oh, no, why did they invite me again to this? It should be someone else. So I guess those two, I would say, have really marked me in a way that in a positive and a bad way, make me who I am today. Wow. And you mentioned something about your mom. There was a story with your mom or? Yes, my mom and my abuelita, you know, and I think that's a lot of the Latina women. And I don't know if this was true in Colombia for you or not, but very Mexican thing of the calladita te ves mas bonita, <laughs> right? The quiet, you look prettier. And I think when you have, imagine the money is el diablo, mm-hmm. right? If you have money, terrible. You should be quiet, or like know your place, like know your place, little girl, just be quiet in a corner. And you're an immigrant and you're a woman and you're in this country. And then we're like, oh, why do Latinas get so little paid compared to everyone else, all the other women and the men? Mm -hmm. There's something on us, too. Mm -hmm. I know my friends who work in like social justice are like, don't say that in the interviews. It's everybody who's racist against us. Sure. And I do think that there's a big component that and we should continue to fight that fight. But I think some is on us. Why is it that Latinas are at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the list? Because we have such a hard time fighting for what we think it's right, because we're always grateful. And I did that, you know, as a leader, as a CEO, I know it's hard for me, even for me, even for Suma, negotiating my equity, negotiating my deal. It was painful. And I was negotiating with friends. And it's still painful. Oh, my God, no, what is this too much? Is this too little? I don't want him to think que aprovechada, or que no soy agradecida. All those little things in your head. Whereas other people are like, yeah, that's cool. You know, like, Okay, moving on. And for me, I'm still having the stomach ache. But I would, as, as a leader, you know, in my previous companies, particularly at, at Me Too, that, you know, we had over 150 employees, the men, the Latinos, because this is not a Latino thing, it's a Latina mm-hmm. problem. The Latinos negotiated fearlessly. Jen, like hours, they would wear me down. And I'm like, listen, this is what it pays, right? Like, this is what we pay every VP here. It can't be more. No, no. But how about this? And how about a mid-year review? And how much? It was unbelievable how persistent they were on getting more. The Latinas, okay? You wouldn't even tell them how much the position paid. Nothing. They only would say, thank you so much for the opportunity. And you will not regret it. I'm going to work harder. And I'm just like, you haven't asked me how much it pays. You haven't asked me, like, is this equal to another vice president from a different gender. And it was very interesting to see that we still have a lot to learn when it comes to getting our value set on what we deserve, but 
we still have sort of that little vocecita in our head that might come from our mom, might come from our grandma, might come from being an immigrant, a mother. Somewhere along the way, we learn that we should be grateful. We shouldn't make any waves. We should keep our head down. And that's that. And you could see it in how we are the demo that launches more companies, but has the least amount of capital to grow our companies. Work so hard. You know, we're such hustlers with so many side hustles. And yet we're the ones who are the least paid. So I understand there's something on the policies and on the racism that goes against Latinas and all women. But I do feel that there's something that we could do differently as we become moms or tias or any sort of older influence to the next generation in really infusing in their DNA from the water we give them every day, their value that they have. And those listening right now, you haven't been able to see me how much I've been shaken up and down, just nodding <laughs> because I relate so much to this. I relate to the guilt. I relate to, and I completely agree with you, Beatriz, about the gender wage gap. Yes. And I know you listening have heard me say this, but yes, there's injustices. There's the policy change that we need to advocate for, but it stems from within. I think also not stems. It's a part of it is you have to work from within because if we are clear on our money, if we have confidence in ourselves, we're going to no kidding that's going to show is going to seep through when we go to negotiate. So I think that's the other part of why I do what I do too, because I'm not in the policy world. <laughs> I'm not in those worlds, but I can connect with women and empower them. And I think that's just so important. But the guilt that your dad had, I grew up with that too. You know, I was in Colombia till I was eight years old. And I think seeing the big disparity of it's either you have money, or you don't. And so seeing in my family members that didn't have much, including my parents, and then seeing other families that had more. And so when we moved to the States, and my parents were able to do better, the guilt of like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I was like, we shouldn't have more. Why? We should be grateful. Like, tenemos que agradecer lo que tenemos. Why do we need more? Like, if we have everything that we need, why should we ask for more? I've always... I still, I have to work on that to this day. So I completely agree. My head was just nodding up and down <laughs> the whole time. No, I listen. And I understand for people who, my dad would just say the same. He would be like, estamos muy gordos, right? Like we're too fat. Like just as an analogy of like, we need nothing else. And I understand to a point, like for me, I think my life is incredible. I don't live in the most expensive house. I don't own a plane. I live incredibly comfortable and, and I am insanely grateful for it. But, you know, when my kids say Fulanito's parents who went on their private jet to whatever, I'm like, we will never have a private jet. Like, if we ever had the means to have a private jet, we would absolutely put that money towards charity and to people who have less than us. So it's not even an aspiration for me to have more so I could upgrade my lifestyle, but definitely to be able to do more of my philanthropic work, do much more of my my charity work, which would be great, but everybody can choose their path, right? It's okay if you want to build a lot of wealth for yourself, but it's also if you cannot get rid of that guilt, it's also to okay to build a lot of wealth for yourself and use it to give it to others who have less means than you. That's totally fine too, right? Absolutely. Now I want to talk about Suma because you've done multiple startups. Of course, you referred to Suma earlier, Me Too. 
And it takes a lot of work. I haven't done one. I, I mean, in terms of what you've done and you've successfully raised capital and you launched Suma in October. Now, we'd love to know the behind the scenes a little bit. El Chisme. How did it come to be? How did Suma come to be? So Suma was not my idea. And I always want to give credit where credit is due. I did not think I had another startup in me. As you say, startups are really, really hard. I mean, somebody asked me the other day, what's the hardest thing about starting a company from scratch? I'm like, everything. (laughs) So and also I came from another startup that was intense and very gratifying, but very intense for seven years. So I definitely thought, no more startups for me at this age. But a good friend of mine who is my co-founder at Suma, Javier Gutierrez, who is a financier and has been in private equity world for many, many years, just a really well-known community leader. And I wanted to raise a fund to invest in Latina-led companies. So that was my goal. And he was like, I have a better idea for you, you know, to start a brand that is like a fintech company, but that also has a big financial education component to it and I was like are you out of your mind like I, I I'm not a financier I'm a marketer like there's no way I could do this he was like no that's exactly why you need to do it because to our point earlier it's more important to build the community and build the trust and build a scalable brand than the product not to say the products are important but there's already incredible products out there that you could be white labeling teaming up hiring those engineers and product designers to do but the audience and the brand and the trust cannot be an afterthought. And I feel like, you know, as Javier rightfully so pointed out for me, most of the fintechs today is like, we're going to build a product. And if we build it, they will come. Our community is not flocking to any of these fintechs at scale. So it means that there's a disconnect and something's not happening. So at first I said, no, but thanks for thinking of me. And then the pandemic hit and he would diligently send me an article every single day. Like, read this, how it's affecting our community. It's like, I can't believe you don't want to do this. And I just thought, you know what, like now is the time. And although to a lot of people, it's like, are you crazy? Already doing a startup is crazy. Raising capital in the middle of a pandemic and economic downturn and two weeks before the election, you know, not being able to meet anybody in person. Like there's some employees that I've never seen in my life, unless I've worked with them previously. It's only via Zoom. Investors the same. So it was definitely like, Not everything was like at a perfect stage, but there was a lot at stake for our community. And I could see how even my close friends who are college educated, are small business owners, they were having a hard time. How do I apply for a PPP loan? And or I cannot collect unemployment. And people being very confused about anything related to finance, as you know from your own clients, Jen, and as you know from our own audience, you know, what's a 401k? What's a bond? What's a stock? So the levels of sophistication vary, but there was nobody really doing this in culture, truly. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. In a very unapologetic way for Latinos only. I have a lot of colleagues like you do too, who are lead fintech companies. But they're like, it's for women, or it's for women of color, or it's for all students. Or, and this is amazing. This is great that they do this. I don't know the other audiences. I could never say I have the playbook on how I'm going to really super serve Black women or LGBTQ. Or I know young Latinos. Like, that's my skill set. And 
that's where I wanted to really focus. So there wasn't anybody really focusing on this English Dom, US born young demographic that happens to be the influencer of, of their family. And that's why, you know, after a little convincing, I decided to do it. And again, I was incredibly lucky and privileged that I was able to raise the capital to launch the company, assemble the team that still believe in me that and wanted to work with me again, a lot of new people, but a lot of old people that I've worked with in my previous couple of companies, not just me too. So very grateful. And when people say, oh my gosh, like you've done this so successfully, nobody ever does it successfully on their own. Whoever takes that credit is lying to you. So I am, again, I'm very lucky that the team that is behind um, Suma, which you know, a lot of these incredible women and men are just amazing, you know, amazing Latinas and Latinos who are very passionate and very committed to the mission of the company, which is to help us close the wealth gap in our communities, which is a very big goal. But we all wake up very pumped every day trying to hit that goal or at least to contribute a little bit. Right. And I thank you all. I've been a fan. I think with your skill set, obviously with marketing, you know how to connect. And that's a part of the magic of SUMA is like you mentioned, you do it in culture, you're able to connect, you all do such a great job, which then translates to trust, right? Which is one of your ultimate goals is the trust, of course, and the in closing in the wealth gap. And now I'm curious too about the name SUMA. Yeah. El Chisme behind that name. El Chisme. So we tried to do all these tequila think tanks that I, I've done from my previous two companies. We're like, let's try a tequila think tank whenever we can't crack a creative idea moment. And we just couldn't find the name. We really couldn't find the name. We have like an Excel with God knows hundreds of names. And then one day my son, who's 15, Diego, came up with a name. He's like, how about Suma? And I was like, and everybody's like, oh, you always want that name that has the four letters that's easy to for somebody, an Anglo, someone non-Latino, Suma just sounds okay. For a Latino, it definitely has that we're adding, right? We're adding, we're building something that's going up, something that is on the rise. So whether you think about that for our community, for what we want to do wealth-wise, et cetera, we love, love, love the name. So I got to give that to Diego. Big kudos for the name. <laughs> love it. So after the, having the think tag, he's like, oh, how about this? <laughs> Exactly. I love tequila think tanks that did not work. I mean, we had a good time pre-pandemic, but yeah, but the name came from my 15-year-old. That is amazing. Now, it's April, and we are celebrating Financial Literacy Month. What would you love our community as Latinos or Latinx to focus on and learning or maybe doing, what would you like them to progress in their financial journey? What is that one thing? I would love that one day we are not only the stat that says we spend the most, but we are also the stat that says we invest the most or we save the most. I think it's great for, I mean, certainly we're driving the GDP growth and purchasing power in America. So it's fantastic that we continue to keep the economy active with our purchases. But I would want us to also maybe consider instead of buying three red lipsticks, potentially buy one or two and the other money from the third one invested. I hear from a lot of Latinas que no tengo dinero. We're like, but we're still the demo that buys the most. And it's not food. It's not rent. 
it continues. And it, somebody might say, well, I buy no makeup and I buy no clothing. And obviously that's a possibility. But the majority of our community still is driving the purchases of clothing and makeup and luxury cars. So just to consider, not to say you have to change your lifestyle tremendously, but that with $5, you can start investing and buying fractional shares. And that could be game changing, right? If we tell one of our kids, listen, if you invest $1 since you're 18, by the time you're 40, you are going to be a millionaire, right? Those are the things we need to teach our community and our kids to be a little bit more long-term thinkers. I think, again, because of our countries of origin where you're like, you don't know if there's a tomorrow, right? Live it up. It killed me when I read this stat that it was the Latinos buying more luxury cars after 9-11 than anyone else. Everyone else was just holding on to their money for dear life. And I could see the mentality of like, pues si ya nos vamos a morir, you know, might as well, let's, let's get the car. And sure, I mean, I love so much optimism on our culture and like live for the day you don't have tomorrow. But when tomorrow comes and you're not prepped for the future, that's a really big problem. And that's a really big burden for the younger family members. The younger family members will never say it because we are incredibly grateful to our parents who have worked so many jobs to put us through college and to give us a better life. But it is a strain on their families to have to have the money for themselves support their older family members, support their younger children. And that's what gets us in the circle of not being able to build generational wealth. So I would say, yes, let's be the stat that also is up there in saving and investing. We know saving, we're at the bottom of the list again. Our families don't even have $1,000 collectively in an emergency fund, which has been devastating through this pandemic. So I would love to see that change happen quickly. Right. And I think it can be done because obviously, I assume you all are doing work. I've seen more and more. I mean, since I started this, I've seen more and more Latinos step up, whether they're sharing their journeys, whether they go into the field of finance because they want to help educate our demographic. So I know it, it can be done. It's just a matter of being able to continue the growth of the number of Latinos that are doing this as well. And for them to be able to connect really well, like you all do at SUMA, I think that there's definitely that power in numbers. And I would love to see that too, for yeah. sure. And I know it's not that our community doesn't want it. I want to clarify that. They just, they don't know. A lot of these Latinas, Latinos are like, oh, I didn't know you could start investing with $5. I didn't know this was possible. Right. And the moment that they have the information, immediately they're like, how do I do it? Where do I start? So just to clarify that it's not that we've had this information, right. or we've grown up with this information and we decide to ignore it by no means. It's, we don't know better, all of us, right? I didn't start investing till I got married to a non-Latino and he had a financial advisor and he had investment accounts and I didn't because I, I didn't know better. Right. And I think as one, there's not that conversation within our communities because we're happy people. You know, we are happy with what we have, right? Estamos agradecidos por todo. And as well as people, the banks, the different organizations, they're not connecting with us directly. No, so, no. and that definitely needs to change. So if they're not connecting with us or they're t not communicating well, like I can't tell you how many times some couples I have talked to that go to a bank 
And let's say they're wanting to establish their credit. And so they're told by that person, I don't know who, what this person looks like. I have no idea. I'm sure they have great intentions, but they're being told that, yes, to establish credit, open up a credit card, charge something on it, pay the minimum, not pay it in full, pay the minimum, and you can build your credit, which it is a true statement. You can definitely build your credit, but that's with a cost because you're going to end up paying interest. Why are you going to do that? Because they're just trusting. Let's say maybe they set aside their distrust and they're like, let's just go. We know we have to build credit. We're going to go talk to this person. And then to be misguided or not giving the full picture. Again, it's not necessarily that it was bad and ill intention on the other part. I can't say that, but that just hurts me. It hurts me like nothing. Of course. No, no. It's, and like you say, sometimes it's well-intentioned because it even comes from, we have a lot of people at Suma saying it was advice they got from their parents. So, you know, mm -hmm. it was well-intended advice, but they're like, mija, never get a credit card, right? Like you should always pay everything cash because if you can't afford it, you shouldn't buy it. That's not bad advice. If you can't afford it, you shouldn't buy. But then these women are like, I have no credit. So now that, I mean, I have a great paying job. I have no debt. I have no, but I have no credit. I can't buy a home. I can't do anything like that. So that's very, very hard. Absolutely. And I know that Suma is a relatively new. I'm just curious because you've all done so much in such a short period of time. What are some stories, some successes, some things that you have heard from the community as a result of everything that you're doing? What's well, very exciting to us just after four, short of four months of having launched Suma is the reaction that the audience has to this information, right? Whether it's the Dinero session or the social posts they're just so hungry for knowledge. So it's very exciting to see that you know we're able to give a tip on an Instagram page and they're like, this is what I needed to get my PPP loan or this is what I needed to be able to build my credit or I had no idea that I could do these three tips and within months I'm so much at a better place or I had no idea that these apps exist and for free I could do a budget. It's those everyday things that like I was saying that our community the moment they have the information they put it to work they apply it and they're seeing the difference immediately so it's something that is so powerful for us but also it's a big responsibility because when people say mm -hmm. who can I trust and who do you trust Suma? We have to be very careful on who we are teaming up with that are really those trusted partners that are good for our community, that are not going to be misleading to them, that are not going to be predatory, that their values align with our values. And our company is not a nonprofit. It is a for-profit. So I certainly, as a CEO, taking money from venture capitalists, I have the responsibility to do well for my shareholders. However, If I fail to do well for my community, if I fail to help build wealth in my community, this company has failed. And it can't just be that we can only think about doing good for the shareholders. It always has to be hand in hand because the mission is to help build wealth in our community. And that's very intentional when we say the building wealth juntos. It goes both ways, right? It's for people who invest in our company and it is primarily for our community because we're really here to serve them. And it's a privilege to know that you can build a company like Suma where you could do well, but you can also do good in everything that you do. So I would say that is the biggest success for me to see how our numbers keep growing every day. And that doesn't only add to 
our valuation going up. It adds to the knowledge of our community saying, wow, this works. This changed my life. And now I know better. I started investing. It feels really good to be able to contribute to both. Absolutely. Now, la mujer listening right now, I know is thinking, Beatriz is la jefa. She's inspiring of everything. I say that all the time, but I say it because it's true. What would be one piece of advice para esa mujer listening right now that's maybe building her career or has been in a career, but wants to really have more success? What would be that one piece of advice? I mean, though my go-to advice that people say like, that's her mantra, but I have several, but this is definitely my favorite. This is, has helped me in my career and my many different pivots that I've had, not just in, in fintech or in media, but I do fully believe that being a woman, being a Latina, maybe there's not just Latinas listening, but whoever you are, there's nobody like you in the world, right? Like you are unique and no one will ever, ever be you. And leaning very hard into that, into that uniqueness and into that difference. Because sometimes as women, sometimes as immigrants, sometimes as Latinas, we feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I was the only one in this room or I was the only one. And people tend to think of themselves as less because they're the only ones. I always challenge anybody who's different to think of themselves as more. You are more because you are different. Your contributions, your point of view, your upbringing, your perception. The, nobody has that exact life experience. Nobody has. And you know more than you think you do. Sometimes you feel intimidated because you walk into a room and it's all the same people. And you think, oh, I don't fit in. No, the opposite. You have so much to contribute. You have so much to add to the sameness of these rooms. And I think whether you are starting your career in the workforce and you're the only one, great. Be proud of that and lean hard into that because those contributions and those perspectives are what that company needs, that new startup, that nonprofit. That's exactly like your biggest asset. So never feel little, never feel small, never feel less for being different. Always the opposite. What a beautiful way to wrap this up. No one in the world is like you. And because of that, you are more, right? And to just to embrace that. Thank you so much, Beatriz. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm honored that you've spent some time with us today. No, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for your partnership with us at Suma, for your <laughs> awesome advice. And, you know, oh. we are so grateful to know you and to collaborate always. Oh, I appreciate. The feeling is mutual, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, amiga. You probably are thinking right now, wow, that was amazing. And believe me, I feel you because I feel the same way. Beatriz Acevedo is just a powerhouse to be reckoned with. One of the things that Suma is doing, which you can connect with her or connect with Suma at Suma Wealth. Dot com, But I wanted to share with you about a campaign that they are doing in the month of financial literacy. It's called 60 Million Juntos. And what they're doing is they're wanting to reach all 60 million U.S. Latinos with awareness of this campaign. And it highlights the huge financial gap affecting Latinos, but also the financial strength 
in our community and our potential if given the right tools and resources. You can check it out. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can check out the campaign of 60 million juntos. So don't miss that. I also have a very special announcement. The Financially Strong Latina event was a huge success. And I have you to thank for because we had such a wonderful turnout. And a lot of the feedback was you wanted to keep going and you are hungry to learn more, which is why I opened up enrollment to the membership of Financially Strong Latina. It's literally called Financially Strong Latina the membership or financially strong Latina, la membresia. And in this membership, this is an extension of the event. It's an extension of you continuing to learn. And let me tell you really quickly, you can check out more on the membership at jenhemphill.com forward slash membership. But basically we're having a private members community. We have monthly calls. We have weekly accountability, fun dinero challenges, resources, and worksheets, content in Espanol to share with your familia, We have bonus resources, VIP discounts, and it's all for $30 a month. There are no contracts and you can cancel at any time. So again, that is jenhemphill.com forward slash membership. And this is $30 a month, but this is just for founding members and prices are going up. You can read the details on the site. Next week, we have Adina Applebaum, who is an immigration lawyer and the creator of Immigrant Finance, a platform for immigrants on finance. (laughs) And you'll get to meet her next week. And she is amazing. That is it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 262. Remember, being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you share it with someone you care about because you never know what exactly that person is going through. And the simple act of sharing can change the direction of their financial life for the better. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Y nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.